Okay, hey everybody, it's uh, Scoots, and uh, let's see, so welcome to our ongoing, episodically modular series, Big Farm in the Sky, P.I., Season 2, and you can listen to these episodes pretty much in any order. I think the first two episodes are... uh, you could they're connected, but you could you could still listen to those in any order. So if it's your first time listening, you're in for a treat, because not only will it be an enjoyable episode to put you to sleep or to keep you company, but I'll explain everything you need to know right now. So you see, Scoots, I don't know. It says Big Farm in the Sky PI episode eight or nine or whatever number you can't remember right now. And I see, yeah, no problem. I'm going to fill you in. Big Farm in the, P- Big Farm in the Sky PI involves three main characters G, G E E, D K, D, capital D, period, K, period, or just D K, and Simon, S I M O N. Those are the three main characters. What do you need to know? G and D K, best friends. A sister-like relationship. They live, uh, well, they currently, I guess, temporarily live with DK's Aunt Penny in the largest retirement community in the U.S., the Towns, that's T-O-W-N-E-S, or, yeah, Towns, uh, in Florida. And what they're doing is doing like kind of like a working sabbatical from school. They're in their tweens, I think, or they're they're somewhere between 11 and 14, maybe, according to my back of my envelope calculations. When I ask, I say, what age? They just sigh and roll their eyes. So I don't know exactly, even though I'm the creator. I say, excuse me, just just so we get on the same page as I'm writing out your care. Okay, can you, so, you know, maybe they are tweens. Does that make them tweens? Yeah, but they're, so they're doing a working sabbatical. They're such uh, good students. They approached their school and they said, what if we start, instead of work a semester to a school, we work, we start our own business. Uh, I think they call that like a broader education, real life education. I don't know what the term for it is. Uh, and they worked with their school to develop a curriculum where they would run a business in the towns in Florida and learn. And what was their business, you say? Well, kind of like a helping business, a little bit like a PI, private eyes. Uh, also like a clean-out business, a little, bit of, a little bit of Marie Kondo in there, where they would help people find stuff, maybe organize stuff, or solve mysteries. That's the key part. Uh, just like, the, you know, they are inspired by the great kid detectives of the world. I think a new Nancy Drew movie might be coming out, too, because like, uh, my phone hears me say stuff and it sends me ads about it. That's not a mystery. So they're in the towns solving mysteries. Now, Simon is uh, uh, G's uncle. And Simon is also a PI. Simon is the big farm in the sky PI. And what Simon did was uh, once upon a time, Simon lived on the earth just like we did. Human being, earthly resident. And then, you know, sometimes they say you got your check cashed or whatever. And Simon found that his check was cashed and it said, go from earthly existence here on planet Earth uh, 
to your next stage of existence in the big farm in the sky. Uh, so this is in, in now the big firm of sky. Here's what I do know. It's not like a middle world, but it's not an all or nothing world either. Like that's what I you see. Well, you could end up. Uh, so like the good place, there's a good place, the bad place. And Eleanor makes a pitch for the medium place. And Mindy McClure or whatever, uh, she lives in another place. Like, so it's none of those places, though. It, the big firm in the sketch is like a next plane of existence for Simon. Maybe not for everybody. Again, I'm just following Simon's story. And if you want to hear more, season one of Big Farm in the Sky is available in the podcast feed, too, about two years ago, maybe. So check that out. But so Simon, when season one was solving mysteries in the Big Farm in the Sky, because Simon got to his next phase of existence, said, I'd like to be a P.I., uh, so that's one thing. Uh, so now what they're doing is solving mysteries mostly in the towns. So Simon helps G and DK by what mechanism, you may say, which is a great question. Great question. And what Simon does is now, okay, so you like uh, if you go to the big farm in the sky, let's say 2 billion people have transitioned from Earth to the big farm in the sky. There's probably like a four in two billion chance you could be a Casper-like being that could go from the big farm in the sky and visit the earthly realm. I don't know if that's what they call it, but that sounds like something they might call it, right? And maybe out of those four, and this is just, you know, guessing math, but... uh like some of those could just observe or maybe make sound effects, but Simon can do full phasing. So Simon can talk to G and DK, observe things, uh, pretty much a full activity. I mean, there probably are downsides, but that wouldn't be super important part of the story. We're just focusing on the stuff that's uh, somewhat interesting. Uh, but basically, Simon helps G and DK solve things. Simon also go, will, will occasionally go back to the big farm in the sky. And Simon is also uh, working in a business in something called the Phantom Minnow. That was what we thought the season was going to be about. But it turns out, you know, G and DK had other plans. Uh, so that's about it. Two kid detectives and a, a being from the big farm in the sky, the PIs, all of them. Uh, solving mysteries, and the only mystery is the great uh, person who needs no mystery or introduction, but it can, you know, can give me mysterious looks. Uh, the master of mysterious looks, uh, the person who introduces the series, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you. As the ladies and gentlemen, the boys and girls, the friends behind the binary. It's time. For a big farm in the sky, P.I. Let's crack this case. Wow, that was haunting. Oh, I can't use that word. That Wow, that was uh, delicious, uh, uh, Antonio. And thank you so much for coming. You know, you're really popular with the listeners. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're popular pretty much everywhere. Yeah, thank you, my friend. And everyone really appreciates, appreciates the fact that you drive uh, from L.A., here and back, uh, but the two of us are driving together, uh, uh, two trips, hopefully, like you'll come back, like I'm going to drive with you right after we record this down there. 
and, uh, you know, talk to you the whole time or maybe work on my podcast. Uh, so I can't wait to spend uh, six plus hours in the car with uh, you. It's like a dream, like you make my dreams come true. Uh, you are the, uh, the oats to my hall, my friend. Uh, I will go sit quietly, quietly in your bed and wait our return to the city of angels. Okay, thanks, thanks. See, this is kind of like a pun because we're doing Big Farm in the Sky P.I. I mean, in, 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 uh, yes, I did not realize my pun. Also, pun rhymes with buns, uh, which you, well, anyway, Big Farm in the Sky P.I. Thanks, everybody. Uh, hey, Diane, it's me, Simon, uh, just checking in. We've got a, uh, Diane, we have a case of lost and not yet found. Uh, like a, like a ticking mystery, Diane. Uh, oh, no, with a ticking clock. That's what a GNTK said. Make sure these are the important things we know so far. And uh, so we have a missing item we're, tra- we're trying to track down, Diane. And the missing item is a Radiotopia challenge coin uh, from one of their... Uh, uh, it's in a fun fun drive, uh, but it can't like where they're raising money for all the shows on Radiotopia. And uh, now originally they had a, a 99 PI challenge coin, Diane, which uh, they happened to have in my possession when I was in the earthly realm. Uh, but this is a Radiotopia one, which is a silver blue. And I'm also familiar with how it looks in the GNDK. Well, now we're very familiar. And I, believe it or not, now my 99 PI challenge coin DK made it into a belt buckle, which is very cool. And I asked her if that was now her lucky coin. And she said she doesn't believe in luck. She believes in good design. And I said, well, aren't you like a, like a, like a, a chip off of the uh, Avery or Truffleman or Katie Mingle? And, and then she, 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 she said, well, you know, she, and she said to some famous designer. And I said, oh, okay, uh, I'm not familiar with those things. Anyway, so I, but I would, okay, so we're missing a Radiotopia challenge coin, Diane. And uh, uh, so it's not a lucky coin, but it means a lot to this person because they were supporting it uh, with someone important. We're trying to keep our clients a little bit more under wraps, at least this one. Uh, But they had purchased it. It has emotional resonance for them beyond reminding them of, uh, you know, supporting stuff. and what happened was uh, the coin went missing, and uh, like they they kind of realized it was they couldn't find it, and they thought it would turn. At first, they said, "Huh," because they usually almost always had it on them. Yeah, but then they thought, as a, some of us do, that are a little bit calmer. Not me, Diane, but they said, uh, "Okay, maybe I put it down somewhere in the house." You know, I came in, I was on the phone. And I put it down somewhere. Now they do keep a good they do keep a good schedule, so this gives us some things. And so, but this is where it came in. So, the, so they hired us. They said, "I think I've just misplaced it in my house, and now I can't find it." Or they uh, I don't know what they call it, like a condo or a townhouse. Uh, 
So they, where they, they're home, you walk in the front door, I give you the layout. Uh, a couple of important pieces. There's no garage, uh, so that helps. Uh, no attic, no basement. Uh, but you walk in the front door of where they live. Uh, it's a part of like a building with four units, uh, all one story. And when you walk in the front door, there's a little bit of a hallway. To the left of the hallway is a bathroom straight ahead. To your right is a closet, and to your left is a guest room, guest bedroom or office. In this case, uh, it was an office with a bed, uh, with a twin bed. Uh, then if you walk a little bit further down the hallway, to the left is like another closet, which you could use as a pantry, a pantry closet, and to your right is the kitchen. And the kitchen is, you know, small for two people or one person. And there's like an, like a, if you're standing in the kitchen and you just walked in, to your left is the sink and the dishwasher. And it's the kitchen's open from there to the living room. And then straight ahead is your stove and oven and your cabinets. To your right is your refrigerator. To the right of the refrigerator are some windows facing out front. And to the right of that is just wall space and stuff where you put, like, your, you know, shelving and stuff like that. Then if you go back to the hall and you continue, you'll be in the living room straight ahead. Beyond the living room is the little nai, they call it, which is like a screened-in glass. In this case, a glassed-in porch, but you can open the windows so it could be screened-in. If you're standing in the living room to your left is a bedroom, and if you're standing in the bedroom to the left is the master bathroom or whatever, the bedroom bathroom. If you go out on the lawn eye, the lawn eye stretches across to the back of the hole. So you could go out on the lawn eye from the living room and then back into the bedroom. So there's two sets of sliding doors. There's also a big closet in the lawn eye with a washer and dryer in there. And then there's a, then there's a door that leads to a small uh, patio. And then there's some nature area uh, beyond, like, with some grass before the nature area. And the reason it's important is we just did uh, over a, a bit of a span here. So our client, the coin was missing for a while, didn't turn back up. A client contacted us. Uh, at first, it was more of a misplaced than a mis- mystery or missing. I mean, it was missing to misplaced. And then, now, G and DK have become very, very experienced in this. uh, And they really have developed a methodical system. And not only methodical, but with add-ons. So so something like, like you could watch, and they even encourage people, they say, well, we don't offer a Marie Kondo system. But, you know, you could watch those videos, or you could watch some other decluttering. And while we're... uh, methodically looking at a grid by grid we use grids and a lot of different uh, they have a system with uh, bins uh, multicolored like kind of like rubber plastic bins uh, and sub bins or boxes uh, and they tell the client okay like when we're done with one grid you know, you could do declutter or do whatever because we're going to search the grid very, very uh, closely. Uh, the other thing is that they actually have help. So Aunt Penny, 
in these grid-by-grid systems, once GNDK have kind of taught you, it's a pretty straightforward because you're only working in one grid and you're taking everything in the grid, you're putting it into a bin. Then you're checking the remainder of the grid and you're saying, okay, I, I was paying attention as he placed everything in the grid into this bin. Then a second backup person will take everything from one bin into another bin, so a double check. And then the client chooses, like, okay, do you want us to put everything back? We had we took a picture. Or do you want to go through stuff and, and do it themselves? And they, they even, you know, they're affordable bins. Uh, so they say, we could keep it binned for you if you like. And, you know, they have every, they have different rules, you know, for like a pantry, which is like more, you know, would be broken into subgrids or a refrigerator or a closet uh, or a section of a room. So really easy, you know, first it was a little bit more complicated as they were designing their system. And they would use masking tape or painter's tape to kind of like actually make a physical grid. Uh, but as then as they started being bringing in kind of freelance help uh, to help with things, uh, you know, they they would train and they say, okay, we, we could use strings in it. Uh, very methodical, I think I said that, Diane, and very uh, a lot of discoveries uh, for the clients. So very popular, and they do like also make a client sign a contract because they say, well, okay, here's the thing: you can't. You could go through the bin. After we've binned it, uh, but, you know, you can't be a part of the binning process because that slows it down. And actually, the re they don't like doing the replacing. So, you know, once you say, well, keep it binned or I'll go through the bins and put it back, then they say, okay, well, we could do a system where we put it back in two weeks like it is in the picture. So anyway, they're, they're mostly on the front end because they're trying to find this challenge coin. And it it sounds like longer than it would do. It sounds more complicated. I mean, it is uh, focused and detail-oriented. So, but, but really, and I think about, uh, I don't know, cleansing in some sense, but they're not cleansing anything. They're just checking everything to make sure everything is checked. Uh, but basically because you're clearing out an area into one area. Uh, but if you're doing it for six or eight hours in in a row with breaks, of course they take breaks. Uh, they are, they don't like they do kind of try to make sure everybody. It's very like there's a mindfulness to it. I think so. Maybe that's what the condo popularity too. Uh, so they don't have an emotional ta- attachment, so it actually makes it. Uh, I guess it's zen like. Uh, I guess you'd say, Diane, but you're focusing on every item. But you're not focusing on your feelings. You're saying, okay, this is a, a, a can of corn, clearly not a, a Radiotopia challenge coin. And you say that, placing the can of corn. And the same person says that uh, when they say, they say, I mean, they might have a different term. They say, oh, this is a can, corned can or whatever, and then place it. But that way, when you're saying it, uh, so it's interesting for me to watch and hear it because it's uh, very... Uh, uh, relaxing and surreal, even though for them it's work. Uh, so they went to work in this place, and they did everything. They went through the grid-by-grid system, top to bottom, and the coin did not reappear. 
And while there's no such thing as perfection, you know, it could have, like, they checked behind everything. They look in um, the vents and things. But, you know, anything, there's no 100% accurate way to check. Oh, yes, they do. And they do check, uh, they do check pockets, of course, like all that stuff, Diane. Uh, but yeah, so there was no 100%, but they said, you know, they say we're pretty confident the coin is not here, especially a challenge coin. If you're not familiar with the challenge coin, Diane, it's much bigger than even the old silver dollar or a 50 cent piece. It's about a one inch di- uh, ra- is that a radius, a radius of probably one inch? No, probably a two inch radius, Diane. Uh, Again, I'm not exactly clear on my terms, and also GNTK are listening now because we're we're trying to refocus. Uh, because here's where uh, the good news and the not the the news that makes it a, a more of a mystery kind of Diane is that uh, we did not find the coin. Search by search, ninety to ninety five percent certain the coin's not in this home. Uh, then, of course, this also included their car. So then we also did a like a grid by grid analysis of their schedule, right? Uh, but this is where the towns uh, makes this is where the ticking clock comes in, Diane, because the ticking clock is, uh, uh, you know, the towns is not a um, municipal area; it's a private business uh, where people live. I guess I don't understand how the real estate business works, uh, but I'm pretty sure the town. Like, people own the homes or rent the homes, uh, but the towns owns the land underneath and makes the rules, you know, within the rules of the world, uh, or policies. I guess they would call them policies or terms of service. And some of their terms of service and policies are planned out. Uh, some come up organically over time, and some are, like, uh, have to be adjusted and readjusted uh, as, you know, they're, they're learning their way, even though they're some sort of corporate enterprise. And they also have to figure out that they're a business uh, within a sensitive area because human beings are living there. And human beings in a certain stage of life. And uh, the, the, then there's a legacy of just being human throughout the history of humanity and one part of life is lost to things. That's what our case is, and lost and found. And that's where we get into the terms of service or the policy. And this is where we're kind of rehashing things, GDK and A. Because, because they've planned stuff out and readjusted and things. They have the towns has a very clear lost and found policy, Diane, which I would have never expected. And it's not only is it clear, it's very strict. There's very strict rules, and uh, in, the rules are enforced. And that's for any, not just the town itself, but any anything operating in the town. Uh, so you have restaurants and businesses that lease and run businesses within the town. They have to follow the lost and found policy. Uh, clubs and associations uh, have to follow the policy, all town-based Town-owned businesses have to follow the policies. Um, any now, this is just within the limit, limits of the town, but actually, a lot of the businesses on the outskirts have just kind of developed uh, the, 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 the gone with the same policy. 
so basically, if you're running an organization within the town, even now, this is become so ubiquitous that even if you have a house party and you find something and you don't know who the guest is, most people will turn it in uh, to their local community lost and found. And the lost and found clock will start ticking, Diane. And it's interesting because it might be hard to initially understand, but the lost and found. So let's say you were like our friend here. You lost your Radiotopia Challenge coin and you were hitting golf balls at the driving range. It fell out of your pocket. Uh, have we, Diane, did we, or uh, GDK, did we check any driving ranges? Okay, we do. We, we, they don't play golf. Okay. Well, hitting a ball in a driving range is different than playing golf. So, okay, according to their schedule, they didn't go to a driving range. Okay, so this is a good example then. So your your, your challenge coin fall. Okay, well, you're right. Let's say it's a Radiotopia scarf. Uh, so we don't get mixed up. That's what G and DK are saying. Okay, or a hat. Okay, let's just say a scarf because like and it blew away while you're at the driving range. And then you drove home, you, you got home, you forgot you lost your scarf. Someone at the driving range finds it. They say, well, this is a lovely, uh, look at this. It has all the artwork from the criminal podcast down here. Lovely. Uh, let's turn it in to lost and found at the driving range. Okay, here's where the clock starts ticking. That day, it goes into one of two boxes, Diane. Uh, current month and last month, and you, the, the, you have a, a ticking clock of 30 days plus the 15th of the month. So if you lost it on uh, October 2nd, it, it would stay in Lost and Found from October 2nd to November 2nd, and then from November 2nd to November 15th. Uh, is that clear? But if you lost it on the 14th, it would only stay... Uh, to October, November 14th, and then to November 15th. So anywhere from 30 to 45 days. And then and the 15th of the month is a donation day, and it's a well-known day. All of these boxes and all of these items must be donated on this day. And that's the rule, like plain and simple, very easy to understand, uh, there's a list of businesses or nonprofits that you could donate to. It's a pretty extensive list. Of course, people kind of debate it when it's time every two years to add new businesses to the list. Uh, but we're not going to get into that. So, for example, with a Radiotopia scarf, now also this is free stuff for these businesses, donations. So they do have to go through things. Uh, and say, well, I don't know if we could sell that. It might be better off uh, uh, to be recycled or something. Uh, but with, Now, each business gets to choose where they send stuff. So you might send it to, uh, you know, like any of these places that run thrift shops. That's the number one receiver of lost and found items. And again, it's considered property. So if people are taking stuff that's out of lost and found that's not theirs, they could be in trouble. And so the, let's use the Radiotopia scarf. Then the Radiotopia scarf, uh, you know, goes to, to like uh, the the Happy Fun Time uh, thrift shop for uh, literacy action. 
joy through happy, you know, happiness through books and, you know, tutoring people, uh, increasing literacy. And that the, the, they sell stuff to support that foundation or whatever. They would get the Radiotopia scarf. They would say, okay, we're going to sell this for like whatever, $500 because it's so great. And then they would put it out there, and then, of course, they would put it on sale, and they say, okay, we'll take $400 or whatever. You, you know what I mean, Diane? So that's kind of the chain of custody of the, the, the most of the items. Now, good question, Diane. What about currency? Because people lose currency all the time. Or what about a due diligence? Two good questions. So due diligence, if you lost something with your ID on it, they are supposed to try to track you down and they do their due diligence and they like they leave that in the, the report they say well i tried bob smith uh, tried to find bob smith didn't do it shredded bob smith's uh, uh whatever four diamond card or called the company on the card uh but when it comes to currency the currency is just donated and again it goes through this donation like uh, there's a list of possible donations and literally, we've been running through these rules because it goes even deeper than that, right? As I'm talking this out, G just raised her finger because uh, she says, uh, okay, there's another interesting aspect of this. There's paper money, and then there's coin money, and uh, you know, and all the money must be donated to, to a nonprofit on the list. But uh, DK just said, is her and G are kind of pointing at this uh, contract. It can be donated. Uh, like, uh, so this is interesting. It's a new thing. Okay, that's interesting. So four years ago, there's an addendum here or whatever, what do they call it? Uh, you could donate it by, uh, so the, like if, if there's a fountain uh, where the money in the fountain is donated to charity, uh, that's listed on the list, you could throw the money in the fountain. And uh, this was because of, uh, oh, this was when they had the bouncy houses, which there was a lot of change at the bouncy houses, uh, which the bouncy houses don't exist anymore. But this was when this was added. Uh, they, only, they were only open for six months, Diane. I mean, common sense, but a lot of sense was lost uh, at the bouncy houses. And... They would actually, the bouncy house thing, they would go to the big fountain at the center of uh, one of the villages in the towns and throw all the money in there. And, you know, there's cameras and stuff, so no one takes the money. And that money all went to a great organization. Uh, So that's very, very interesting. And in the end, all that money gets donated. Um and, okay, so, Dane, I'm going to check back with you because we're going to retrace the steps of all the businesses we think. Now, unfortunately, oh, here's where I don't think I said this. The clock has already expired. So we have all the businesses our person visited, but now we need to find, one, if anyone remembers the challenge coin or it was accidentally saved. Uh, so we have four restaurants, uh, a, a dentist's office, uh, uh, oh, the, 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 oh, they didn't drive. Okay. So the, um, the, the car service they used in the bowling alley. 
So, so we have, we're going to go to all these places. We're going to see one. Do you remember the challenge coin? We're going to be gumshoeing, Diane. So I'll be back with with the update uh, really soon. Okay, Diane, I'm back, and uh, yeah, the plot thickens a little because uh, so we went to the restaurants, one of which was the um, the the same place where you make your own sandals that we had already we'd been to uh, Crocs. Uh, Make your own crack restaurant while you uh, order your food. And another place that was specialized in milkshakes. So we, we went to all those places. It, but So this is a lead-up day. And none of them had any, they said, no, I, you know, I run the Lost and Found or the bowling alley. I said, yeah, Lost and Found's here with the shoes. Or I separate the, the money from the, the goods and... Uh, I don't remember a challenge going or a couple of places were unsure. So we, we then we started going and putting in stuff in like like in, in in their own investigative bins. Okay, definitely no, probably like, but let's double check with uh, whatever the place they donated to, uh, or definitely possible or you know unlikely those kind of bins, Diane. Now, we also initially were like, what is a challenge coin? Would people view it as a like a, a piece of currency? Or would they know it is a, like a token or a collectible item? And there was only one place we were having trouble getting a hold of. Uh, and it was the one with the most work. So we went and we checked. Some, none of the thrift stores had any... Uh, Things we went to a couple of the banks that process the spare change for some places, and none of them had uh, like they said, No, no, we don't have any challenge coins. This is what we actually do. We would actually bring it back to the thrift shop if it was a challenge coin, if you know, if it's another currency, if it's a collectible. And they actually led us to another interesting thing, Diane, because the bank said, oh, no, no, it's our, we're here for our, you know, we're part of the solution. So they said, actually, if they found a rare coin, for example, because this is, is a rare, would you think a challenge coin's a rare coin? They said, well, it's pretty big. Because yeah, we always had the belt buckle for a reference. We said, but it's not this, you know, the belt buckle is kind of like a, uh, the 99 PI one is like something you see on Star Wars, a little bit of the color, like a, like a shiny black, with a, like a matte shiny black or something. I don't know how to describe it, Diane. But just as a reference point. And we also had pictures of it. Yeah, but so they, uh, what happened? Oh, oh, so, oh, the bank said, if we found a rare coin when we're processing the currency... We actually contact the business, uh, and then we help them decide what to do with it. Now, and then we say, okay, we, they contact the business and the charity. And the reason for that, Diane, is another big, uh, I guess it's a clue maybe, is that the uh, the business gets the tax credits uh, for the donation, and these rare coins can actually have a huge impact on that because they say, well, this coin was worth this much money. And so, and, and then we said, wait a second, is this fair? And then we said, oh, wait, no, yeah, it is because it's perpetuating honesty uh, because of this thing. Like everybody's very honest with how they handle, you know, all the business owners. 
uh, or even people they say if you're you're not you're like you're a club, you'd get a huge re- like award from the charity because he'd say, well, you can't do a tax write off, but that coin was worth like uh, it really helped out our our mission. So it was kind of like a brilliant win win. Uh, but it also helped us as we looked down our list uh, to this last business, Diane. Now, I think I talked about this in recently. So there's, uh, you know, there's like outside of the towns now or the villages, it's, uh, it's very good car share. Car, instead of taxis, people take uh, car sharing, they call it, I think, or, or, you know, where you open an app and the car comes to get you. Now, because the village, the towns is because the towns is very planned out. You know, they were initially the different companies were trying to get in, and the the residents and the thing were very resistant, uh, and it was a whole big to do, and a lot of money was spent saying we don't want your car shares here, and all of that. And then this uh, this local head of physicians group, Diane came up with this wonderful idea called Tuber. Instead of the other companies, uh, the physician said, well, I, well you know, I, I, I'm, I work really, I'm really involved with this community. And even though they're not a resident, they're, they're looked up to. And they said, well, what about uh, if we take this idea uh, of the car sharing and we, we make it better for all the residents? And so they kind of uh, worked to, to create Tuber, which w- was always have a chaperone. And that was actually good for lost and found for the most part. Tuber has one of the lowest lost and founds because the chaperone's job is to check the back seat of the car when the guests get out. Uh, but then it was also like uh, uh, the physician was like, maybe it's better, you know, to, to encourage less driving for the environment uh, for for everybody. But then they said, well, and they said, well, it's less expensive than cabs, but they were still saying, well, I don't know about the cost of this. So then this physician said, uh, what if we have tuber and then tuber free? And they said, what is the tuber free? And they said, what if we pick you up? Uh, you pick where you pick you, you want to be picked up. We'll pick you up uh, 1,000 steps from where you want to be picked up. Uh, and we'll drop you off 1,000 steps from your destination. Also, the chaperone will walk with you those 1,000 steps, uh, and then the chaperone gets picked back up. And we'll work to get grants, and uh, it'll be free. It'll encourage walking. And you know, not, not, Now, it is a trade-off. Uh, like, so, so they figured out all that. You say, well, what about people? That, and we said, well, they figured that out. Don't worry, Diane. They, they worked all the angles slowly. Uh, that's just a basic vision, not the actual policy. Uh, but that wasn't basically the policy. You say, well, if, you, if, you, if you're a walker already, you walk 2,000 steps, you get a free ride. Also, there's like the gray economy, Diane. So there was people uh, that would drive around in their golf carts and say, hey, I could pick you up uh, and, dr- and give you a ride those thousand steps for like $2 uh, in cash, you know. And that was just like, a, you know, th- that was unregulated business. Uh, so that's Tuber. And the, the, the physician was the, the, the brainchild behind that uh, 
And that's really where our attention went because uh, we know our client took two tuber rides, uh, two tuber free rides. Yeah, when the co- around the time the, the the day the coin went missing, and so then we said, okay, as we've gathered things, we couldn't get a hold of Tuber. Now, and Diane, this is interesting that Tuber is actually just one of those companies. It's built on the backbone of their architecture or something. And we actually worked with some of our friends to say, oh wait a second, this is actually the same. It's just a small division of uh, this larger company. Uh, But we went to the physician because the physician is not just a figurehead, uh, but was also when we we try to figure out where does your lost and found money go? And I don't know, we just wanted to interview the physician. The physician said that uh, all of it was going down this well, but they said, I'm glad you're here because there's something, uh, I don't know, that that I've been thinking about is... uh, I don't think all the money's going down, just going down the well. And we said, what do you mean? And they said, uh, like, uh, I don't know, because so this one was where you throw your coins down a well. And so then we went with them to the the well that was where the money's supposed to go down, then the money would eventually get collected and donated. But to this person, it had a lot of meaning, the throwing, and we said, okay, well, maybe the challenge coin's in there. And, you know, G and DK are kids, so we, we couldn't have them just climb in there like they were in the Goonies or something. So it became time for Phantom Minnow Mode. Now, the physician didn't see any of this, uh, but I traveled down, and it was a bit, you know, it's a decorative thing. But also, like, actually, you're probably saying maybe inspired by the Goonies, and I think this person was a big Goonies fan. But so I went down there. And lo and behold, uh, none of the, 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 uh, the, the, there was only pennies down there, Diane. No other coins, uh, and only pennies. And then what G and DK did was they got binoculars and they pretended they could see down there for the physician's benefits. And then I got back and told them, I said, there's no pennies, there's only pennies down there, no other change. It was like, uh, it was the 12th of the month, so it should have been full of full of things, uh, because they were also going to collect, the current on the 14th, they were going to collect all the stuff down there. And then we got into a forensic analysis situation, so we had to follow paper trails with the, the, the person, the figurehead, saying, this is odd. Why are there only pennies in there? And then I actually went back to, to uh, the big farm, Diane, and I, I had to get my teams. Uh, and they said, we have to, now that's where you crowdsource things. And we, you know, I had such a powerful force of uh, post-earthly help uh, at the Phantom Mental Enterprises or whatever I'm calling it. Uh, and we quickly found out uh, that uh, what would... Uh, Tuber's parent company had done was they had seen the tax things and the, the, the also the even the carbon costs and the cost of moving anything but pennies and the, the raw materials and looked at like how they could maximize their deductions and uh, uh, so they had this whole like system that was unrelated to, to the technical calendar. 
because yeah, it's like some sort of automated coin market or something. Uh, and it, it didn't like ended up being quite the news, uh, you know, for 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 the uh, the town's courier. Oh, sorry, Diane. I said town herald courier. Thank, thank you, uh, thank you, G. And it was also done in conjunction with the podcast. So the good news was, uh, in exchange for for the podcast, uh, they went uh, and looked and like they did a whole episode looking for the coin, and they gave us a new coin temporarily, and then they actually found the coin. And also G and DK now probably end up being podcasters because they got to learn a lot. Yeah, because everybody from criminal came down and kind of taught them the ropes. So, so it was a really wonderful experience. I mean, I was only observing it. Uh, but the case, so the case was ended up being solved. They were holding that uh, and checking automatically their computer algorithms, whatever, saying, when is the height of the Radiotelpia Challenge coin value on the secondary market? If we donate it at that time... We will then we donate the money to the then we get a maximum write off. Uh, but the twist was, Diane, that I'll close with is that they actually were hoping they here's the surprise it didn't it didn't sink tuber or tuber free, those were successes, but they were unintentional successes. They had agreed to tuber free because they thought tuber free would fail. And then they could just come in and run non-tuber free. So I guess, like, uh, like in the end, uh, more than one case was solved. It was wonderful. Uh, and, you know, sometimes things that they want to go wrong go right in the right way. And the coins find their way home. Uh, so that's it, Diane. Another case closed uh, with my good friends Gene, DK, and you listening in. Uh, good night.